Welcome to Satisfied, where our aim is to behold the glory of God. I'm Nick Jackson, pastor of Timberline Baptist Church in Lacey, Washington. And this is Bobby Gaither, pastor of Hope Fellowship in Hillsboro, Oregon. Yeah, we're back. Hey, so we have taken a little bit of a break. Um, maybe planned, maybe not planned. I mean, we believe in the sovereignty of God, so it, it was planned by somebody somewhere. That's meaning- true. So we oh, are Lord. glad to be back podcasting, though. Uh, we are in Hillsboro right now, sitting in Bobby's uh, church. Yeah, it's this, a pretty cool place. It is a cool place. It's a beautiful sanctuary. Your man. road is all messed up out front, we, though. Yes, it is. We are uh, in the middle of construction. They're widening the road out in front of our church. And you know they're going to do that to us like next year? Dude, it, it, I'm sure in, in the end it will be worth it. Um, make friends with all the uh, construction workers. That's what I would say. That's what we're doing. Did you buy him pizza? Uh, we fed him a few times. So we yeah. fed him, and I wave at him every time I go by. And actually, what's cool is they've done a few things for us. We've done a few things for them. It's been neat to be able to serve them that way. So. That's cool. Yeah, it's been cool. Well, we are in summer. It is in August, and it is amazing. It's and beautiful. we have had lots of fun. Our kids are all at a basketball camp this year. They are. This week. They are. What, what's the name of it called? It's, well, it's the Portland Trailblazer basketball camp. Portland Trailblazers. What an awesome team. Yeah, they are an awesome team. Are they going to go all the way? Um, I would give them, I think they're getting back to the Western Conference Finals this next year. See if they can beat my Kings. <laughs> uh, sure. All right, so I'm still a Sacramento <laughs> Kings diehard fan. Uh, well, I can't say diehard because I couldn't say all their players right now. But I have always enjoyed the Kings because I grew up there. And at one point in like 2001, 2002, uh, they actually did a They're fairly pretty good. good two, well, maybe, no, 2003, 2002. 2004, it's 2002. They were doing pretty good. Yeah. And then they didn't. Yep. For the next 15 years. They had a few bad calls. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so today uh, we want to, well, I guess what is prompting this conversation is the fact that Joshua Harris has stepped away from the faith, walked away from his church. He was a popular uh, popular Christian pastor. Even from Portland. Wrote a book, uh, Kiss Dating Goodbye. Now he's kissed Christianity goodbye. Uh, is, it, is it okay? Is, it, is that a little too pokey? I don't, that might be. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's true, though. I mean, yeah. like, I don't know. Uh, but then but then also there was the Hillsong. The Hillsong songwriter as well. Um, and there's really been a lot of people over the years um, who have walked away from the faith. And, and many of them are not public figures, yeah. uh, but many uh, have been public figures. And lately we've just seen several. So we thought we would just simply talk about that. And what does that look like? Um, what do we do as a church? How do we respond to that? How do we refer to these people? What is our response to those who walk away? So we just thought we'd take a little bit of time and tackle this topic. Well, maybe we begin just with, okay, so what's our intent in this too? Like it's, it's not, we're not trying to cast blame. We're not trying throw to- Throw rocks, kill, crush, rocks. destroy. And, and, and our hope, here's our hope. Our hope is that- Joshua Harris. I mean, our hope he or, repent or that, that there's a and repentance return. and there's a return. That, that and if, if you're listening... and Which they, they are, because if they're listening, they're listening. Which, right. So if you're <laughs> listening, which you are, uh, but if, you, if you're wrestling with doubt, yeah. if you're wrestling with questions, uh, we, we kind of just want to address that today, too, and, and yeah. say a lot of it, it's okay, but, but what do you do when you wrestle? What do you do? Um, yeah. How do you press on into the gospel at that moment? Yeah. Uh, how, do you, how do you wrestle those things? And knowing that it's okay to have questions. Um, so we want to just kind of tackle it all. 
Yeah, that's... It's ginormous. This could be a two-hour podcast. Right. But we'll probably like just... <laughs> what we'll do is we'll speed it up. So we talk at one and a half times the speed, and then we will cover this super fast, so it'll only be one-hour podcast. You know, they could actually press a button and do that. Oh, that's right. Yes. So I've actually done that on several podcasts before, because I was like, eh, I'm kind of bored. Let's see if it picks up. Hey, if you've ever done that to us, you can like, leave a know. comment and let That'd us really know. That'd be really funny. Let us know. Yeah. Who, sounds, who sounds more like a, a, a squirrel, like a chipmunk? Me or me or Nick? That's weird. I don't. I don't know <laughs> if I want you to comment on that. Okay. All right. Let's so, jump into it. Uh, Joshua Harris was pastor at what Covenant Life Church in Maryland, mm-hmm. I believe. Uh, I don't have the exact date, but somewhere probably in July-ish, latter part of July, that he walked away from the church. Um, well, he made it public. Made it public, right? Yeah. Uh, and in that making it public, what I understand is he's apologized also to the entire LGBTQ community, yeah. saying he is sorry for any harm he has ever done. He asked for their forgiveness. Yeah. Um, and just a little bit ago, it was online. It looks like he was in the Vancouver LGBTQ parade. Uh, Vancouver, Washington? Vancouver. You know, I, I didn't see, so we'll just leave it at Vancouver. Okay. Uh, so Washington or um, Canada. Uh, but it looks like like that which he used to uh, speak against um, and have different positions, this new yeah. belief that he has, he's totally affirming all that once he did not believe in. Yeah. So, um, so, so maybe some of the questions you're asking, um, especially if you read Josh's books, if you were a follower, maybe uh, part of his church, uh, what does that? What does this mean? What does this mean? I mean, we've had some big pastoral defects, defections. Let me say it that way. In the past ten years, just in the past decade, yeah, uh, where big national, uh, international, even leaders, uh, we've seen them fall. Well, and, and, and fall doesn't always mean walk away. It doesn't like the Mark Driscoll, yeah, uh, where he didn't deny the faith, although he has changed greatly he's, in a lot of his positions now. He's uh-huh. now completely against uh, 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 Calvinism, yeah, he's, and, uh-huh. which is, is really strange because he was a strong advocate of it. So there's been, there's been moral failures also, mm-hmm. um, but then there's also been like the Josh Harris where yeah. he totally walks away. A complete walk away. What do, you, what do we do with that? I mean, what are the questions that are going through people's minds? Right I think now? some people want to know uh, so is he apostate? Um, yeah. and, and how do we how do we talk about him? Yeah. yeah. So how how would you answer that? Is is Joshua Harris an apostate? Meaning, has he walked away from the faith? Has he turned away yeah. to never return? I think I think by I think there's a sense in which I look at how Paul encourages us and find the passage if you would because this wasn't where I originally thought I was going to go but how he encourages us to speak to those who have stepped out of the church is to treat them as an unbeliever right yeah, in first Corinthians I think first Corinthians I Five. think I want to say yes that's right um, so what does that mean what do you what do you how do you treat unbelievers well I think treating an unbeliever I mean we're to love them to pursue them, we're not to ignore them, but I do think that there's a difference in the relationship. There's a difference. No longer yeah. do we see them 
as a member of the family of Christ. No longer are they necessarily a brother in Christ. Yeah. Um, we don't we don't take communion with them. Right. You know, I mean, right. breaking of bread is different in, in the sense that there's, you can have, if you're using it as a phrase to share a meal with someone. Right. But there's not a spiritual communion that you have with someone who, who would deny the faith or deny, walk away from Jesus right. and his word uh, and Jesus as Lord. Um, so we, we still, we still we, preach we, the gospel. We still, we still pray for them. We still pray for them. I think... Uh, my mind goes to like the first John three or no first John mm-hmm. two where uh two nineteen where it says they went out from us because but, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. Yeah. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us. I guess I would say based upon Josh's Joshua's, I don't know yeah. how he likes to be called, yeah. uh, his profession of where he's at now, it does look like he's walked away. Um, it, it does look like he's not a believer. It does look like he's rejected the faith. Um, but I think we have to be careful to then think that he could not be led back to repentance also. Uh, while this looks like it's extremely decisive, Maybe there's like we don't know the whole story. We don't know everything in his heart. We don't know what led up to this. Uh, and again, we're not in his circle. And so what we have seen is primarily what is that that has transpired Just, over the internet, yeah. what we've read. And the reason we talk about this is because uh, I mean, he was a public pastor. Many people public knew figure. him, an author, yeah. an author, an author. I think I was combining author and pastor. Yeah. Os, an author. Oster. Yeah. It's, it's not a word. You're a dad and a pastor. Can we do that? You're a. Never mind. That's probably, that's getting <laughs> close to weird words. Um, yeah, so I, I think we need to say, or I, I think I would say, uh, it does look like he's apostate. But I would cool. be careful on, or I'd be hesitant on using that, especially with other people, even in the church, uh, because we don't, we don't know the end goal. We don't know how God is using this. We don't know if God will, will by his grace, bring him back. Um, or if he's like what we read in 1 John 2, where he, he has gone out. He, it's plain that he's not of us, yeah. and he will never come back. Yeah, I think the, the hard thing with, with Josh is that he did say in his, conf, in his proclamation that he, by definition of how he understands Christianity, is not is no longer a Christian. Yes, I mean he, he. So so those. I mean I would say for those who are are drawing that line and saying he's apostate. I mean they have legitimate evidence. That totally he, based off of what he yeah. professed that that is where he's at. And and I think our encouragement is that doesn't mean we cast stones. Uh, right, we're like God is the judge; He is the judge, and and ultimately uh, the determiner. Right, and on our prayer is that He still come to repentance. Um, you know, and, and I think this is me. I think the way we think about someone like Josh Harris leaving the faith, um, the way we process that is going to reveal some of our heart too. Like, I'll say this. There's there's a part of me, maybe a large part, uh, I I don't know. I I go, like, when I hear that, 
There's a, there's a part of me that wants to say, I would never do that. Nope, that's not going to happen. How foolish, how stupid. And really, that's pride in my own heart. Because when we come into like the, let, the letter of Hebrews, yeah. he's warning a church about not persevering in the faith, about, yeah. about falling into immaturity, about falling away. Um, Paul continues to call us to press on into the gospel. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think one thing that Josh Harris and those who walk away the faith, I, I think something that needs to happen when we hear about that is that we need to to move closer to Christ in our own hearts. We need to think about the gospel. We need to think, am I pressing on into maturity? Am I growing in my knowledge of the word? Am I surrounding myself with believers or who are helping uh, to hold me accountable and that I would grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ? Or am I coasting in Christianity? Because I would say if if you're coasting in Christianity, I, I think a lot of Christians, uh, we think that there's like a cruise control yeah. where we can just hold it like at 70 miles an hour, like we're going down the highway and we keep going forward. But what I've noticed, and I think especially like what the author in Hebrews says is there's no coasting. You're either moving towards Christ or you're moving away from Christ. Um, and, and so I would say if you're listening and which, let some, which they are. Which they are. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, you keep getting me on that. I don't know how to get around that. Um, but I would say this, what this ought to do to us is first and foremost cause us to press on into the yeah. gospel to make sure of our salvation. Yeah. Well, I think of three different things. First of all, Jesus in, in John 8, in fact, he says this all throughout the book of John, is he makes distinctions. I mean, he lets us know even during his earthly ministry while he's here, that there are those who will appear to be disciples, and they aren't. Yes. Uh, he gives a hard word, and many turn away. And even in his, his conversation, I think uh, this is where we're at this week at, at Hope Fellowship, uh, uh, he says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So first of all, that word abide, right, is, is yeah. to remain. It's like the steadfast remaining in his word. And he, just before that, the passage before, he said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He's talking about light and darkness, truth and not truth. And here he's telling this group of Jews who appeared to believe in him. In fact, you read from the text that he said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Yeah. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you, we will become free? And you, just, you see this conversation play out where it really discerns and it really separates that these really aren't his disciples. Yeah. That they appear to be his disciples, but they aren't. They appear to believe in him, but they really don't. And I think we need to realize that's... Like... So that may be yeah. what Joshua Harris is. It appeared that he was one yeah. of Jesus' disciples. Just like Judas. How is it that we know Judas was, was not? It wasn't till the end, really. Yeah. You know, for a long time, it looked, and all their disciples are thinking, he's one of us. In fact, uh, well, it goes in our, I was going to bring up Peter too, but that kind of goes on our rabbit trail. Matthew 7, when Jesus talks about, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, on that mm -hmm. day, 
So we need to realize that there are those in the church that they're not actually of yeah. the true body of Christ, um, but by certain appearances yeah. there is. So again, I think one of the responses we need to have is to press on into the gospel, to do what Paul says, like in Colossians 3, we need to put off the old self, which is meaning yeah. put to death sexual morality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, anger, idolatry, all those kinds of things. We need to be putting on uh, that which is of Christ, uh, peace and patience and kindness and yeah. love, unity. Yeah. Uh, we need to be pressing into that uh, because... Uh, as the author of Hebrews says, if we're not growing in to, in to if we're not growing to maturity, then we're actually moving to immaturity. Well, and, and here's there's another piece to I think what maybe as many Christians are asking: if Joshua Harris can defect, can I? Yeah, I mean how 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 does this recognized author, pastor, shepherd defect someone who who's a public figure who? who I would think would have a strong faith, how, if, right. if he can defect, if, if, can I? And if, if he's not preserved, will I be preserved? And, and I look at and our best answer, if I'm, the best answer I have is the word, right? That's always or, a good way to go, yeah. It, yeah I'm with you. <laughs> Let's go to right? the Bible. Not my words, but God's word. And, and, of course, Jesus said, if you abide, if you remain in my word... You are truly, really my disciples. That's John 8. And then I look at Philippians 2, um, Paul's exhortation. Yeah. Therefore, my beloved, just as you've always obeyed. Obey what? Well, he's talking about the word. So now also as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Like we, we are called to work out our salvation in fear and trembling, and then he yeah. continues, for it is God who works in you. who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So we're called to work it out. We're called to pursue in fear and trembling, to pursue God, to pursue obedience, and it's in recognizing that yeah. how are we how are we sustained? How are we preserved? Because it's God who's working in us both to will and to do. And, and Jude 24, right? Is kind of the same yeah. thing. You, you look at Jude, in fact, 19 uh, or 20. But you, beloved, building up yourself in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, like you're, you're doing these things. Keep yourself in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And, ha and get this, and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. Like we're supposed to go after our brothers and sisters. Uh, to others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Like we're, yeah. we're, we're supposed to be pursuant of our brothers and sisters whom are doubting. So, uh, wait, let's, let's pause there for a moment. So, the very fact, so I, I think you bring up a good question. People may wonder will I, will I continue on in the faith? Will I fall away? Yeah. So what we do have, save others by snatching them out of the fire. As Christians, it, it is possible for us to fall into sin. It is possible yes. for us to begin to, uh, in, in a sense, fall away from Christ. But I, I hate the, the word. Uh, yeah. 
backslide. Yeah. It's, I mean, I don't think it's, so, I think it means something different than what I grew up thinking it meant. Totally. But. So we need to realize that there is the reality that as Christians, we're not just like on, like in a rocket ship going straight to God. Like that's not our, our spiritual path. Like we're not just going vertical. Like we got it. Every day is better. Every day we have more joy. Every, you know, there's ups and downs. So there's a reality that Hebrew speaks about, that Jude speaks about, that really all throughout scripture speaks about, about the need to, to press on because uh, we, we can uh, we can stumble, we can fall. Yeah. And part of the body of Christ, or one of the responsibilities of the body of Christ is to snatch those who fall. Or what the end of James, James 5, 20-something, talks about how if someone falls away, we're to go after them, yeah. and that by saving them, we save them from a multitude of sins. So, so there is the reality that as Christians, we, we do stumble, we do fall, and sometimes it yeah. will look like we fall away. But we also then need to realize that... Uh, that we are to have assurance yeah. in our salvation. Like, we're not to be sitting here going, well, wait, am I saved? Am I not saved? Uh, like, First John, like, the entire book of First John is all about, like, assurance that we have. In fact, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And all throughout the book, he talks about, look, do you love God? Do you love others? Yeah. It's not that loving others saves us, but when we press on in good works, mm -hmm. that's the very fruit of our faith that ought to give us assurance of our salvation. The fact that we testify that Jesus is the Son of God who came and died on the cross yeah. for our sins, that we could have eternal life, is evidence of our salvation. Yeah, yeah. So we're meant to have assurance. We're meant to fight against yeah. doubt yes. because we will struggle with doubt. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you if you if you're wondering, I almost said like if you're listening to this, but then I was like Bobby. <laughs> so if you're wondering, uh, you know, is this going to happen to me? Yeah, yeah. The Bible speaks powerfully about the assurance that we're supposed to have. Yeah, absolutely. And it speaks about the reality that we can fall away, but that we press on. And the ways we press on is then the means of giving us assurance and increasing yeah. our joy. Uh, so we're not to be in this. This emotional, like... Well, this fearful state. Yeah, exactly. This fearful state. That's a good you know, way to say it. Like the, yeah. the, the fear and trembling is... We're, we're fear and trembling, holy fear before a holy God. Not, am not, I saved? Am I not saved? Not, What's going to happen? He's going to throw a lightning bolt yes. at me and, and zap me any second because, of, because I fell short. Yes. Uh, I mean, just look at the doxology in Jude, right? So he says he, in Jude 20... Or Jude 21, keep yourself in the love of God. But Jude 24, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I feel like we're going back to the perseverance of the saints. Well, that's that, that ties right back like in. Like, we, we did that podcast, right? We did. But that's what we're then talking that's about. That's my plug, though. Dang it. Okay, plug it. Well, so it, we spent a whole topic on the fact that as Christians, we do believe that God's grace saves us and sustains us, uh, which is perseverance of the saints. Uh, so we, we believe from God's scripture that those who have been regenerated by the Spirit of God, who have been made sons of God, who have been adopted into his family, been made saints of his kingdom, that we are secure. Uh, so we, we do believe. So, so to bring that to like a Joshua Harris 
If he truly has been saved, if he truly is a child of God, then we do know that God, through means of grace and believers, that, that he will draw him back. Um, the thing is, is we, we don't know. We just don't see that. Like, yeah. we don't know the heavenly decree. All we see is really the fruit of a person's life. Yeah. Um, so we so, got to be cautious there. Well, and, and part of it is, is, you know, we in the body are called to discern. To what? Discern. Discern? To, to discern. How, let's now, say I've, that I've, way. You've said that before, like discern. Well, it's just another way of pronouncing it. Is it? I think so. This is like with a Z. Maybe it's a Bobby way. It's a, a, it's, I like it, though. Word, I, I think it's kind of good. You know, when I discern. listen to uh, D.A. Carson, I always hear new fun ways of pronouncing oh, words. Yeah? Yeah, like he'll come up with, and I don't know, maybe it's the Canadian way. Might be. Uh, <laughs> all right, it's, sorry, it's go the ahead. Eng, it's the English way. It's the proper proper way. Yes, probably. Um, well, we are called to discern in the church. So we look at the fruit. Otherwise, how would we know if someone is spiritually mature enough to be an elder? How would we know if, I mean, when we baptize someone, we're saying by all evidence that we've seen this person. By your testimony. By your testimony and your, and your, your actions. Life, yeah. you, we're saying that, yes, we believe that you understand that Jesus is the Son of God and that you are, pers- you are a disciple. Well, the, the discipline that Paul does that you brought up earlier, like in the First Corinthians 5, the discipline he does is based upon uh, the fruit of the person's life. The person in 1 Corinthians 5 is sleeping with his mother-in-law? Yeah. Yeah. And so he, he's in the church, and he's like, guys, I'm good. I, I believe in Jesus. And, and Paul's like, uh, based upon your actions, that's not even possible. Yeah. Uh, so they're saying, discipline him. Throw him out, but for the purpose that his soul would be saved. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a, a separation from fellowship so that they would see and understand and yearn for the f- yeah. unity with the body of Christ and repent from their sin. Yeah. Because what does light have to do with darkness? What does God have to do? What does Jesus have to do with Beelzebub? Right? Yeah. Um, next question. Uh, what do we do, or what maybe some of our listeners... Uh, they are, lis- they are listening. They're listening. Uh, people are listening. What do they do if they themselves are struggling? I mean, this is a hard culture to live in, especially in the Northwest, where so many of the messages that we receive uh, are so... Uh, I mean, tolerance... Tolerance is promoted as uh, the highest, most virtuous uh, ethical value. And so there's tolerance for everything but a worldview that would say that there is an objective right and wrong. And so, man, it's... It's hard. I know my wife works, you know, as in the public school system. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard for her. She has to battle these thoughts every day. Well, man, what, what, what's right and what's wrong here? I mean, I know what's right, but it, I'm so against the culture that, that I'm yeah. living in. I mean, we are swimming upstream. And so that torrent, uh, uh, you know, just going against the current can really wear someone down. So if someone is, I, I think you... We were talking a little bit earlier, and I think it's a good time to bring up the text. So if someone is is wrestling with, man, is Christianity right? Yeah. And maybe they're wrestling because it appears, and, and again, we don't 
I've never met Joshua Harris. Yeah. Uh, it appears that he was probably wrestling a lot with the whole LGBTQ and, and this tolerance because now he's, it didn't he's totally supporting them. It didn't happen overnight. No, so he, he wrestled with that. He probably wrestled, man, is this loving? Can I believe in a God who, who, who does not approve of homosexuality? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so he's wrestling with, with that and, and probably other things that then led to this decision. Uh, and, and you brought up Psalm 73 earlier. Yeah. Which so, I think is just really, really good. Well, and, and just, just to underlie part of his, his wrestling, I mean, look, I know and love people who are totally. same-sex attracted or yeah. full-on lesbian or full-on homosexual. I mean, that's their lifestyle. That's their chosen lifestyle. You know, uh, my wife was, uh, we were, as we were driving down here, she had listened to a podcast, and, and the podcast had made, uh, I think it was, some, I don't know, it was a book uh, from Rosaria Butterfield, and she was making the, the argument that the culture today has married the words um, approval and, oh man, I just went blank. Love? No, um, but uh, to approve and to, oh man, there's like two well, A words. Well, uh, but it, it, to approve you um, is also to associate with you. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, so like... It, I have to approve, if I'm going to associate with you, I have to approve of all that you are um, versus, hey, I can, I can love you, yeah. um, but I don't, I don't approve of all that you do. Um, and I think as Christians, we, we can love those who are in the LGBT group, but we don't approve of their lifestyle. Well, in this, but, the, but the world today says, look, unless if you approve of everything, then, then you can't associate with me. You need to approve me yeah. for who I am and all of for this. all that I've decided right. is part of me too. Right. I mean, that's that's the other thing is is where the world is going is, um, yeah. If you have any differences with anybody, right? I mean, it's it's honestly becoming even more divisive. And here's what I would say: Christ, Christians, okay. Is Christianity exclusive? Yes, it's exclusive in that Jesus is the only way. It's belief in one God, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, uh, and Jesus is the Son of God. He is our only means for reconciliation to God. Right. But it's also inclusive in that people of all nations can come to him. As they confess his all, name. As they confess yeah. his name. And, but... But that exclusivity is still regarded in that if we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, we believe that he is the way, the truth, and the light, there is exclusivity there. But that doesn't mean we don't love. Totally. So let's come back to the question, though. Like, you brought it up. What do we do? And so Psalm Psalm 73 starts out, like in Psalm 73, verse 2. But as for me... My feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So here's a guy, and he says, look, I almost stumbled from the faith. I almost walked away from God. When I look at the culture, when I look at the world, I see the arrogant were were doing well, the wicked were prosperous, Mm -hmm. and it really looked like the Christian community, God's people, were not. And so here's a guy, he's wrestling with what he sees, Um, and so here's, here's something to be careful of. We have to be careful of taking culture and reading that back into theology as a means of trying to work our theology into culture rather than we come into God's word so that then we would know how to respond and act in culture. And so here's a guy. 
He's almost stumbling. Why? Because he's looking at the world, and then he's trying to say, how does that fit? And so he's going to try to fit the Bible into the world versus going, okay, this is what God's word says. Now how do I understand the world? Um, And so then later on he goes and, uh, was it verse? Well, he, he... He's looking at how the wicked prosper, right? right. And the, how, how the ones who prosper are the ones who don't believe there is a God and there's no knowledge of God. That God, if there is a God, he doesn't know. And then, then you look at verse, verse uh, 15, and he realizes that in his processing, he yeah. says, if I, had, if I had said, I will speak thus, meaning everything that he just put, that, that he just put forth, that the wicked prosper, that that there really is no God. That they that as I'm thinking through this, man, this looks better to me than following the way of the Lord. If I would have spoken this out, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. Yeah. So so here's here's a psalm of Asaph. He's a he's a leader. He's a Levite, um, and he realizes that if he would have spoken this processing and de- declared it publicly. That he would have betrayed the generations of, yeah. of the children of Israel. So, so let's play that. What does that look like? So today, th- th- there's a guy who looks at the world yeah. and he goes, "Man, how can I believe in a God when there's all this tragedy, when when there's all this war, when when all these things are taking place?" And he goes, "Man, I, I don't know if I can still be a Christian." So rather than going to his family, rather than going to his church and saying, "Look, I don't think God exists." I, I think it's all crazy. Now, it doesn't mean he keeps these doubts silent, but he's not declaring them as like their ultimates. Yeah. But, but he, he begins to think about them, and he says, what, um, in verse 16, but, but when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me wearisome, meaning it's, it's hard. hard. Yeah. Like, so there's going to be things that, that you and I, that as Christians, we're going to wrestle with in this world and that we're not even going to know how to, to begin to overcome. So, so for example, those in the LBTG, LBGTQ GTQ community plus, plus uh, who would have a spiritual life. Yeah. Who would be spiritual people. Like, it's, it's, it's tempting for the Christian community to look at that and say, well, because they're spiritual, who are we to say that they're wrong? Right. Or, you know, a lot of the you churches know. today are wrestling with how do we be more accepting and maybe we change some of God's word, you know, so they're, yeah. they, they've removed certain sections. They've said, well, that was, that was relevant then, not relevant now. Like for the Lord's Prayer. Like the Lord's Prayer. Um, a lot uh, of teachings in the Old Testament, a lot of uh-huh. teachings in the New Testament. Hell mm-hmm. becomes one of them. I can't believe in a God who would ever send people yeah. to hell. Um, so, so there's all these things, so but then what, is, what does Asap do then? So we're, yeah, and, and, and then he goes into the sanctuary of God, right? Verse 17. So, so, how, so, so what does that mean? Well, well, so he goes to the sanctuary of God. Here's, well, here's the situation, right? He's looking at the world and saying, how in the world do I understand this? Right. It's wearisome. It's hard because it, it's, it's not playing out the way I think it should play Which out. Which that should cause us all to pause and just go, yes. if you don't struggle with certain things, don't be arrogant against the guy who is in the church struggling against those kind of things. Like, cause there's things that we struggle with and there's things that other people in the church that they're battling. Absolutely. So we're yeah. called to come alongside these people, not throw rocks at them, not throw them out of the church, but go, okay, here's a guy who's struggling, who's wrestling with worldviews right now. Yeah. 
And so the guy comes into the church, yep. shares his doubts, talks about what he's supposed to do. Yeah, and so here's what he says. He says, it seemed a weird some task until I went into the sanctuary of God. And, and then he says, then I discerned their end. And what he's saying is all these wicked people who, who pursued, who, uh, who opposed, who oppressed the people of Israel specifically, or oppressed the people of God, what he's saying is I stepped into the sanctuary and I realized what real reality is. Yeah. Real it, reality, true reality is, he, he says of God, truly you set them in slippery places. You make them truly, fall to ruin. you make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a, in a moment, swept away but utterly by terrors. Now, we have to understand that he's talking about wicked people. Yeah. And just, we, we want justice. Right. We want justice. We want justice for, what well, Larry, uh, Jeffrey Epstein, for example, right? Uh, there's another really big name who, who did uh, horrendous things. And the world cries out for justice. Right. Justice. Um, uh, and he continues. Uh, he says, uh, like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when you arouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. You will, you despise evil. We have a God who is holy and but, just. But what's interesting is we don't always see that. And so it's, it's not yeah. until he comes into the sanctuary, yeah. which surely means the presence of God, which surely yeah. then means... Uh, with, with other the believers of God. and probably with the word of God. So it's as he's with the word, as he's with other believers, and then he begins to see, wait a minute, according to the word, according yeah. to who my God is, according to as he looks at the Old Testament yeah. and as he sees how God has punished the wicked in the past, he reads and he sees, oh, wait a minute. Yes, there are times that it looks like the wicked it flourish. Looks like the flourish. Yeah. But in the end, what we understand is that God is just, yeah. and all the wicked will suffer. And so what he's doing is he's, he's, he's flipping from the way he was thinking in the beginning. Yeah. He began to look at culture and read that back into God, trying to define who God is. Now he comes into the sanctuary, into God's word, and as he sees the truth of his word, now he knows how to, per, how to accurately how to, perceive yes. culture. Yeah. That's what we must do as Christians. We must look through the world through the lens of the Bible, through which, the lens which of Which goes his word. back to, I mean, probably you could say this. I feel like I could say this. Hopefully most pastors could say, Really, the, the primary application of every sermon is to really read the Bible more. Not just to read, like, to finish, but to read it, to know it, to be changed, to see the heart of God. Man, the more we know God's word, the more we're equipped, the more we're rooted to stand firm against doubts, the more we know how to help others who are doubting. Well, um, that's exactly what this guy does here in Psalm 73. Well, and Jesus said, if you abide. Yeah. If you are truly my disciples, if you abide in my word, but that doesn't mean we don't struggle. In fact, even look at verse 21. He says, when my soul was embittered, when I was pricked at heart, embittered, like when my soul was embittered. Well, he even says, I was like a beast towards you, which means brutish. he was pretty ticked off. Yeah. So again, I just think that we need categories as Christians. I think sometimes as Christians, we like to beat people and throw rocks at them because they're not like us. They're not acting as strong as we would like them to be. Um, but we need to realize it's okay when we struggle with things. Yeah. It's, God is actually using these struggles as a means of not only helping the person who is struggling grow in the knowledge of God, but also helping other people, like other people in the church, 
with their humility, with their love, with their ability to grow into God. So when someone is struggling, just know that God is using their struggle as a means of also growing you in your love for Christ. Yeah, we don't have to be afraid of, yeah. of being honest about our struggle or our doubt. Um, uh, we don't have to be afraid. We shouldn't be afraid of that. And, and part of it is it really just shows God's love and mercy towards us, even in the yeah. midst of it. Like, okay, so uh, he was brutish. He was ignorant. He was like a beast before God. He was embittered toward him. His heart was pricked. And then he says this, nevertheless, I am continually with you. Yeah. Like even in the midst of this crap, even in the midst of my struggle, my doubt, I'm continually with you. You hold my right hand. Yeah. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you will receive me to glory. And then this is, this is one of my favorite verses, if I can have a favorite, if that's okay. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Yeah. So he, he comes up with this declaration after, after he finishes processing this and realizing, okay, God is just. In the end, there will be justice. This is ultimate reality. Uh, even when I was angry at God, even when I didn't understand God, what he was doing, even if when I couldn't make sense of it, even when I was a beast towards him, nevertheless, he helped me. Right. Nevertheless, he walked me, walked with me. He guided me, and he's going to receive me to glory. And that just results in this praise. So, right? I, think, so I think like Psalm 73 shows us mm-hmm. as an amazing example of what do we do when we doubt. Yeah. We, we need to... We need to move towards God, his people, and his word. And oftentimes, I think if we're honest, what happens is we, we stop reading the Bible. We move away from church. Yeah. Like our church attendance becomes very sparse. And then we start going, man, I, well, I don't really want to be at church. And maybe I shouldn't. And you know, our, our minds and our emotions yeah. begin running. And then all of a sudden, we wonder, well, I guess I'm not a Christian anymore. I guess I don't believe that anymore. Uh, and, and so... What we see here is that we're to move towards God. And as believers, we need to see this. I think this yeah. goes back to like Jude and James, where we're, where we're commanded, snatch them out of the fire, go to your brother who is stumbling. Oftentimes, when people are stumbling, they're not moving into community, they're moving away. away. They're not moving to yeah. the word, they're moving. Yep. So we need to go towards them. So when you see your brother or sister not at church for a week or two weeks, don't go, well, you know, I don't, I don't want to get involved. You know, I know they got something tough going on in life. No, that's exactly what we're supposed to do yeah. because what we read in, like, First Peter, Satan wants to uh, kill and destroy. Yeah, he wants to oppress us. He wants to deceive us. And so what we need to do is, is to fight back, and the way we do that is with the word, with grace, with love, coming alongside them, helping them to see the truths of God's word. Um, so, so here's Asaph's final nail in the coffin here this. He's, he's verse 27, for behold, those who are far from you shall perish. Like if we move away from God, we're going to perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near to God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. So he even says, for those that abandon, for those that that who are far from God, they will perish. That, that is their end, right? That is what he discerned in, in, uh, in verse 17, right? But for me, for us, it is good 
to be near to God, to press in. So even in the midst of doubt, even in the midst yeah. of turmoil, even in the midst of uncertainty, what do we do? And so we, we, we got to realize that he's writing this after he's come through the trial. Yeah. So he, he's wrestling. He doesn't see how God is good. He doesn't see how any of this is good. He's doubting his faith. But he goes into the sanctuary, into the word of God, into the presence of God, into the community of God. And now, after the fight, yeah. he's now looking back and he's saying, oh, it is good to be near God. Yeah. Um, that's the whole point of the trial. Yep. So when we're going through trials, when we're going through doubts, when we're struggling, the purpose God has is for the for the relationship. It's for the growth of that person's faith. Now, Satan wants to cause deceit and, and to yeah. have that person move away. But no, if you're struggling right now, God's using that so you would know how good he is. He's yeah. wanting you to see his character, his presence, his steadfast love, his mercy, his compassion, his grace, and wanting to overwhelm you with that. Yeah. But you don't see that if you keep running from him. He's wanting you to move into his presence, into his word, into his yeah. community. And as you fight... There will be dark nights. We know that. There are psalms that, man, like Psalm 88, just this cry of darkness that surrounds him. But what we have is the hope of like verse 28 here in Psalm 73. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For those who press on, we yeah. know uh, that it is good to be near God. Yeah. And so when we, when we think through like a Joshua Harris, we need to know there are people who are in the church who are going to walk away. We're called to pray for them. We're called to pursue them. Uh, we're called to, to help draw them near to God. Um, now, we can't force anyone. We can't handcuff them. It appears that Joshua is, is made a pretty decisive decision. Uh, so that might make interaction sparse, which is then where we come to prayer. Mm. And we know that God uses prayer powerfully. So we pray for those people. Um, there are many people who have children who have professed to be uh, yeah. believers, but then who have walked away. And, and I guarantee you, the way those kids come back is often through the prayers of the parents. Absolutely. And a lot yeah. through the prayers of moms, where they're mm -hmm. just on their knees yeah. praying for their kids that they would return to the faith. Yeah. And sometimes it's 10 years. Sometimes it's 20 years. Sometimes it's 40 years later, and that kid comes back. And it's through the prayers of the saints that, that God brings them back. And so yeah. uh, we need to be careful when someone walks away. I think we can say... They're apostate in a sense, especially when oh. someone is very clear, yeah. like Joshua has. Mm -hmm. But we need to be careful that we don't make that final call. Yeah. And so I, I think that's where I'm cautious at it. Like, based upon what he says, it appears he's We're apostate. We're not the judge. But, but by no means do we mean that he, God could not, by his grace, bring him back. And that's yeah. what we pray would yep. happen. Yep, absolutely. Um, we should probably pray now. Yeah, as we're we're finishing this. So Sounds good. You want to you want to pray? I'll, I'll pray. Yeah. Uh, Lord, what we see in your word is a promise that you are able to keep and sustain all who call upon you. And so, Lord, we um, we cling to that uh, because we know that we are fallible human beings. That we are um, made in your image and yet marred yet fallen. Um, and so, Lord, even the faith that we have is a gift from you, we read in Ephesians. And, Lord, it's hard to make sense of what all is happening around us in the, in the culture, uh, in, in the church, even with, with believers and even pastors who are struggling to, with, with faith. 
uh, to, to really understand uh, what is true, what is right, what is wrong. And yet, Lord, we declare that you have declared that you are the truth, that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and that all of your disciples, Lord, will abide. We will, we will remain in your word. So, Lord, we just pray for, Lord, we pray for um, perseverance to remain in your word. We pray for wisdom to discern what's happening around us. We pray for mercy, Lord. We pray that we would be a people of mercy, that we would call other people to the mercy and the gospel, Lord, that, that we live in, that we rejoice in. Uh, so may we, uh, your church, stand firm. May we stand firm even now in your truth, Lord. Uh, may we be united under you, Jesus, our King. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to Satisfied. Um, we encourage you to go check out our website, satisfiedinchrist.life. You'll find resources, uh, comments. What else do they find? Stuff. Stuff. There's really good stuff. We'd also ask that you would leave a comment. Uh, let us know what you like, what you don't like, uh, what you'd like us to talk about. And if you have time, go to iTunes and, uh, and leave a comment there. Uh, we'd love just to hear your feedback.